May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. What a difference a week makes, especially for people who live in Boston, Massachusetts, or West Texas. Last Sunday, people living in Boston were readying themselves for an annual event of fun, the Boston Marathon. Imagine the people of West Texas were doing whatever it is they do in West Texas on a Sunday afternoon, maybe going to a local diner after church, or getting a haircut, or talking to friends about the weather, or whatever it was they, they would do on a typical Sunday afternoon. Seven days later, though, people weren't talking about the weather, are they? Not in Boston and West Texas. As you know, both places suffered horrific tragedies. In Boston, uh, four persons were killed, uh, more than 180 injured. At one time, there were 14 who were critically wounded. I, I, I checked this morning just before I came to church, and six remain in critical condition in Boston. In West Texas, reports are a little scattered. I'm not sure exactly how many, but at least 14 persons have died. Um, some reports have up to 40, and hundreds are in the hospital injured. Many um, of the dead include uh, volunteer firefighters who ran into a burning building while other people were running away. And so our hearts go out to these families. These persons who lost their lives were injured. Um, certainly this morning we'll remember them in our prayers as we already have been, I'm sure. And undoubtedly you've seen the images, haven't you? You've, you've probably flipped through television or on the internet and seen these pictures of, um, of buildings that, um, that have been decimated. Uh, an apartment building in West Texas that looks like it had just been ripped apart, um, like someone opened it like a sardine can, just removed an entire side of a building, exposing you know, furniture and a family's sort of living arrangements. And, and, and the building itself, the plant, the fertilizer plant itself, completely obliterated. I mean, the walls are gone. They simply are gone like it was an outdoor facility or something. Small town in a big city. A southern town in a northern metropolis. You've got um, a community at work. Another one was at play. Differences, aren't there? But something is very similar. The striking fear that hit both communities. And not just them, but the nation and indeed the world. So I couldn't help but to think about these contrasts. Big city, small town, one intentional, one seemingly accidental, um, one in the north, the other in the south. But the similarities, I mean, they're striking. Both of them deal with explosions. Both of them seem to come out of nowhere. Both strike fear into the, the hearts of the people who are around. And then as I thought about it, you know, it could be anywhere. Boston could have been anywhere. Boston could have been Atlanta or Kansas City or Cleveland. And West Texas could have been anywhere as well, couldn't it? It could have been Paducah or Bloomington or Chillicothe. Just anywhere in the world. And I think that subtle juxtaposition is not just in my mind, not just the the subtlety that hits me, but I think it's obvious to everyone. You see, if it could be in Kansas City or if it could be in Atlanta or in Boston or Cleveland or Chillicothe or Paducah or Bloomington, it could be in Hudson or Stowe. It could be any town around here, couldn't it? It could have been us. And we live in a mobile society, don't we? We move around. All, we're, we're always in one place or another. I mean, if I check the itineraries of, of people sitting in this room, 
How many places have we been here just in the last 30 days or so? Across states, in other countries. I mean, we've been all over the place. The person who won the Boston Marathon was from Kenya. The first American was from Portland, Oregon. They weren't just people from Boston. There are people from all over the world gathered there. So it is that um, whether you're in a big town or a small town, whether you're in a rural place or wherever you happen to find yourself on the planet, here's the question. Here's the question that every one of these events brings to our mind. Where are we safe? I mean, where are we safe from this sort of stuff? Where can we flee? Where can we go? I mean, are we safe in the big city? Are we safe in a smaller town? Are we safe in a rural America or a rural uh, Africa or a rural uh, South America? Are we safe at work, at school, or the playground? I mean, where do we find safety? And the gospel comes to us today through Jesus walking into the temple. And some people who come up to him and they say to him, Tell us plainly, we need to know right now, are you the Messiah? Stop keeping us in suspense. Do you hear that? Stop keeping us in suspense. Are you the Messiah? Now, when we hear that, we hear that word, I mean, we rush immediately and say, here's how they ask the question, are you the second person of the Trinity? Are you the divine Son of God? But none of that was going through their minds. For the people who ask this question, none of them think of Messiah in terms of Trinitarian thought. None of them think of the Messiah as a divine being, incarnated God. None of them think like that at all. Rather, what they're thinking is this, are you the person, the very human person that God is going to anoint to deliver Israel from his enemies? You know, maybe are you like the military general who's going to gather up the, 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 the nation and, and help to lead us in war against the Romans? The word Messiah actually means that. Anointed. Are you the anointed one that's going to lead our country? Are you going to lead us in battle? Are you going to help to establish the throne of David? Are you going to have to rest- help us to restore our national pride and autonomy? Are you going to be the one who delivers us? You see, because that's what we're looking for. And perhaps you noticed. How did they begin? How long will you keep us in suspense? It's really great in the original if you read it. How long will you keep our our souls held up? It, it kind of reminded me when I when I read it first of like um, a big brother. You know, anybody have a big brother or big sister who used to take your toys and hold them up in the air? You remember this, right? None of you ever did it to anybody, I'm sure. But um, perhaps you have heard of this. You know that a big brother or sister held a toy up and little brother or sister might have been shorter, you know, trying to reach up there and grab it. You know, how long will you keep us at bay? Tell us plainly. We need to know. Can you feel the anxiety? It's not just the accusation against Jesus. Look, we think you're a fraud. We think you're whatever. It's more of this. Are you ready to be the sort of Messiah we need? Are you ready to be the sort of deliverer that we need? Because there's a lot to fear around here. These Romans they have been occupying our country. I mean, they're brutal. They're vicious. They, 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 they make life unbearable. And we need someone to deliver us. Well, of course, you know the answer already, don't you? Of course, he's not going to be the sort of Messiah they're looking for. 
He's not going to be that, that Messiah at all. At least not in the way that people expect. But he says, you know what, there are people who see past. They see past the sort of terror that the Romans bring upon us. And they see that there's something really more, more important, more substantial to fear. And that is what it would be like to fall into the hands of the living God. And for these people, these people who have awareness of that, they have flocked to me. They have heard my voice, Jesus said. You know what? You aren't, you're not listening to me, he says to these fellows who ask the question, because you're really not looking for the kind of help you need. You want someone who can, you can manipulate, someone who can be the person who can do for you what you want, but not the person who can do what you need. But my sheep, they hear my voice. I get this great lab at home, Lucy. You know what? She would love every one of you. If, we were, if I would bring her here and you called her name, she would just go. Any person who called, you know, she would just run to them. But if I call her name, if I said, Lucy, come, oh, immediately she would leave even the sweetest person out there and come to me. And you know why? Because I feed her. <laughs> I'm the one who gives her snacks. I'm the one who takes her out and takes her for walks. I'm the one who, uh, who gives her what she most wants in life, and I'm the one who provides security. Don't miss the metaphor. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They know me because they know that I'm the one who brings them security. Sheep are a lot more vulnerable than dogs. You know, if a dog's attacked, it'll fight back. You know, it'll, it'll, sheep will not. And we are sheep. (laughs) I mean, we are vulnerable. We are the ones who cannot fight back. And Jesus says, you know what? The people who realize that I'm the one who gives them what they need, they find security in me. They find security and they hear me and they follow me. Look at verse 27 or 28 rather. Listen to this. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. This is great in Greek again. It's a double negative. I mentioned maybe last week or two weeks ago about double negatives in Greek. Double negatives in English, of course, make it a positive, right? If I said something like, I cannot not eat ice cream, you would say, hmm, that explains a lot, Joe. <laughs> you know, I, I know where that lumpy physique is coming from. Um, but, but if I said it in Greek, I cannot not, it, it's, it's emphatic. I could never eat ice cream, which would be ridiculous. But listen, they will never perish, not not. Perish the people who trust in me. They will never. And another, they'll, no one can snatch them out of my hand, he says. What a great image, isn't it? My sheep hear my voice. They follow me. And no one's going to ever take them away from me. No one can ever snatch them out of my hand. The people who trust in Jesus, they're looking for the security that comes from the military or from the police force or from the government. It's a far deeper security. One that lasts not just for this life, but forever. I don't have to tell you that we live in a world that is, whew, I mean, if it's anything, it's uncertain, isn't it? As I said any, earlier, there's nowhere that you can go and feel like you're safe, that you're beyond the reach of whoever it is or whatever it is that might strike terror into your heart for, for my entire life. I was born in 1969. Do the math. Uh, in 1969. As soon as I can remember, there were Olympians who were killed. Remember that? The Israeli Olympians. 
I can remember when, as a small school child, the Iranians overrunning our embassy, holding people hostage for more than a year. I mean, you don't have to go to September 11th. It's way back before that, right? But then, of course, there is September the 11th. What a difference that day made in our world. I was going to London, and, and, and about a month before I arrived in London, there was bombings in the, um, in, in the tube, in the, the subway system, and on, the, on the, the buses. In fact, the group I went to London with, they wouldn't let us ride the tube. We had to sneak off and ride it without permission. Um, so, you know, there was this you know, big concern. You can't, where can you go? Madrid. Some people, I mean, they'll do terrible things for political reasons and some for none. Somebody will walk into a school and open fire on young children. We put glass up, bulletproof glass in our schools, metal detectors. Somebody uh, puts a bomb in their shoe and now we all have to take off our shoes at the airport. Somebody puts a bomb in their underwear, and then the poor TSA agents have to see all of us in our underwear. Poor people. They should get hazardous duty pay, right? Um, we, all these sort of, we, we react and try to do everything to make ourselves feel safer. M- bigger military, a stronger police force, bigger government. And still we're not safe. Where do we find safety? Where's a sense of security? Only in this, only in that when you believe that if everybody, if the, if the worst terrorist did the worst thing to you and the worst possible thing happened, if you had the belief that even then you're still secure, that's real security, isn't it? And our Lord Jesus Christ said, my sheep hear my voice. They follow me. They're safe in my hand. No one's ever going to snatch them away from us, from me. And and whom I hold, the Father holds, right? The Father and I are one. You are safe in the hands of God when you follow the Lord Jesus. Now that, that's real security. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.